today on It's Time. And so trials are important to cause us to realize where we're at. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So, follow along as we join Pastor Mike. as we go to your word tonight, thank you that you have allowed us to have your Bible, that we know your heart. And so tonight, as we read these words, God, may we be inspired. May we have our eyes open by your Holy Spirit to see things, God, in a whole different way. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that it's impossible that you come face to face with God in his word, that it does not change you in some way. I I just believe that's the way God works. So as we look at this, we'll pick up where we left off last week. Verse 21 of Acts 19. And when these things were accomplished, Paul proposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. Now, this is a lot in this little verse right here. Let's look at verse 21. Now, we've been looking how really what it's saying, not how fast we can read. We're really looking for what's going on here. Verse 21 again, and when these things were accomplished, what things accomplished? When the word of God was firmly established, his ministry, the communication that he had in in, in planting this church there, he had uh, accomplished these things. And so he felt then it was time to go on. Now, I, I like to uh, remind people, make full proof of your ministry. In other words, uh, when you're doing something, see that it's established. I've had people say, well, you know, I just kind of start things, I don't finish them, and then I move on to something else. I, I kind of stay away from people like that because there's always people that have greater vision than they have faith to bring it to fruition. And so I like to see God do something. And so we find Paul over and over again going to different cities throughout Asia, establishing churches, preaching the gospel. And then when it was able to stand on its own, then he moved on. He didn't say, well, you know, I got some problems here. See ya. Hope you figure it out. He made sure the things were accomplished. Think about that for a minute in your own life. Have things accomplished before you move on to do something else. I think it's really important. Second thing we find here, It says he was purposed in the spirit. Now, this is interesting. We don't know whether it was his spirit or it was the Holy Spirit that prompted him with a desire to go to Jerusalem and then on to Rome. So I think that that's kind of important as we look at this, because here it doesn't say that there was anything wrong with him doing that. It was just that he was prompted in the spirit. Now, again, proposed in the Spirit. Now, I know that uh, the S is capitalized, which would seem to indicate that it's the Holy Spirit that actually prompted him to do that after the other things were accomplished. And so it says that he 
when he passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent unto Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. Now, Timothy, we know he was a, a young pastor being schooled by Paul. Erastus was the guy that God used as kind of the treasure when they took up a collection to take the money to Jerusalem because uh, the persecution in Jerusalem was very severe. And so the other churches decided to come and help uh, them out. So Erastus was one that uh, uh, helped out there in that way. It was about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. Now, the way was what the early church kind of used as their name. Now, there's different groups around today that use the name the way. Um, uh, and some of the groups that use the name the way are right on, and some of the groups that use the name the way are a cult. And so be careful when they say, well, see, our name is in the Bible. Well, that can be good, or that can also be very bad in that they are trying to take advantage of you. Now, we've talked about this before, but there's always a couple of things that we need to always remember concerning cults. What makes a cult? Really, it's deviant teaching from the Word of God. But all cults have basically two things in common. There is no hell, and Jesus is not God. If you can remember those two things, that'll help you a lot of times when you're talking to people. That there is no hell. In other words, it's annihilation. It's only a flash and you're gone. Um, you show people that are into these ideas. Well, what about the Bible where it says everlasting torment or a lake of fire that burns forever and ever? What would be the point of a lake of fire burning forever and ever or everlasting torment if it was just annihilation? So we know that that's not true. The second thing that we find is that they do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. Well, if he isn't God, you would ask the question, who is he? Well, he's Michael the archangel, if you're a Jehovah's Witness. If you're a Mormon, he's, um, he's uh, Lucifer's brother. Um, and uh, when Jesus presented his side of saving man and Lucifer presented his and the father picked Jesus's, well, then Lucifer got mad and stormed out and became the devil. Now, what's wrong with that theology and what's wrong with the other, with the Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, thinking that he's Michael the Archangel? God so loved the world that he sent his, what? Only begotten son. Only in the Hebrew, in the Greek, whatever language you want to look at, only means only, the only one he ever had. That's really important. That uh, verse in John 3.16 is so uh, so foundational for every Christian that when we really look up close at it, you kind of dissect it, kind of kind of really look at it up close. Everything you really need to know about the kingdom of heaven, about us, is kind of in that verse because it tells us of God's great love for us that he sent his only begotten son. Well, then you'll talk to others that say, well, Jesus is um, God's son, but so is Buddha, Muhammad, and they'll list all of the other names. Well, this is, again, the deviant understanding. The Bible declares to us of a triune nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the beginning, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. The word God there in the uh, Hebrew is the word Elohim, uh, and it means plural. It's a plurality. So literally, if you were going to read it, in the beginning, the gods created the heavens and the earth. Now, that's not 
open for any discussion. The rest of the Bible tell you who these gods were. We know them as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. doesn't mean Zeus, Hermes, and any other thing you want to throw in there. Um, when it comes to making man, let us, plural, make man in our image, plural, according to our likeness, plural. So we find then that um, God re- revealed to us as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the triune being that we understand. Now, we find uh, whether you're reading in First uh, uh, John chapter 2, where it says, he that denies the Father and the Son hath the Spirit of Antichrist. Pretty, pretty important. You're looking in Titus chapter 2 as an example. It speaks about God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, uh, like I tell people, if he isn't God, then who is he? Well, he's God's Son. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Bible says that he's not only God's Son as he came to this earth, but he's also God because of the description that we have throughout the rest of Scripture. So understanding that, then uh, these cults have these two things in common, uh, that uh, Jesus is not God and that uh, hell is uh, a, a temporary place or uh, doesn't exist at all. So always understanding that. Well, going back to this, uh, the way. Uh, there's these cults out there that use this name that embrace some of these ideas, and so you have to steer clear of them. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. Now, it says there wrote a, arose a great commotion. Now, as, as we really want to examine this, what was the commotion about. That's one of the things we want to keep in our mind because we're going to get to see here a little bit what motivates people in false religions. And I hate to say this, friends, but there is sometimes a motivational force. Let's look at it. He called them together, his fellow shrine makers, probably uh, some labor union, you might say, they got together. He called them together with workers of similar occupations, and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Or the old King James says, We have, um, uh, through this trade, we have our wealth, you might say. Now, friends, uh, if you like to make notes in your Bible, here is a good one to note. The thing that Demetrius, the silversmith, was concerned about first was what? Money. Okay? You see that? And I think you need to, we need to mark that because that is really important as we work on down through this. We don't really, until we get to the very last thing that Demetrius speaks about, has anything to do with the great goddess Diana. Now, understanding that, uh, this creates an issue. What really lights a person's fire? What really motivates them to be or to do what they are? Now, we've talked about this before. If we don't go through hard times in our life, we don't know a lot about ourselves, do we? Because we just kind of bump along and things like that. And none of us like trials, but unfortunately, they're very, or maybe I should say fortunately, they're very needful for all of us to go through. And it's a time when we reassess our values of life, our priorities, what what lights our fire, what causes us to be and what we are to do with our time in our life. And so it's the trials that really cause, you might say, a reevaluation. Now, uh, understanding that, that a lot of times people don't think much of life until they've been diagnosed with cancer and you've got three months to live. 
Then all of a sudden, every smile means something on your child's face. Every time the sun comes out and shines on your, on your, on your face, it means something. You see, there's a, there's a change that happens. And so trials are important to cause us to realize where we're at. And I, and I, I've talked about this before. I hate it when I fail a test that God gives. And, and, and I know that when I fail it, like in school, I'm going to have to retake it. I don't like that. Now, it comes in a little bit different way, but still it's seeing God's hand in our lives. Well, this guy was going through a trial. What was it? Well, it seems that the revenues were down. It was a problem. And so notice what he did. It says, A certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. And he called together the work of the similar occupation said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Now, a couple of things. First, he did not bring his problem to the magistrates or a lawsuit. He appealed to the mob. Now, friends, this is important because a lot of times this tells us whether in, we're in right standing or not. Now, you can excite a mob over about anything. I am pretty convinced of that. In fact, a lot of times, they don't even know why they're excited. There's a big crowd of people. Something's going on. I'm going to go over there and check it out. And pretty soon, you're sucked into whatever it is. When I was in Jerusalem, bomb went off and blew a bus apart. I heard the explosion. And uh, we were told, uh, do not go downtown tonight because of the possibility of riots and different things like this because Israel was very hurt by this explosion, killed a lot of their citizens, planted by the Hamas. And so um, uh, a couple of my friends said, you want to go downtown? And I said, yeah, why not? (laughs) So we got in a taxi and we went down. And sure enough, here are shrines on the street, candles lit for each of the I forget, 17 people who lost their lives in the bus that exploded. And uh, there wasn't just one, there was a lot of them. CNN was there with their uplink, and one of the guys that I was with, they grabbed him and said, do you speak English? And he said, yeah. And so they began to interview him on CNN. And so we're looking at all this, and this rabbi walks up to me, and he says, so what are you from? And I said, I'm from the U.S. And he goes, well, I want to tell you, if a riot breaks out tonight, do not go down Ben Yehuda Street. Go this way instead. I said, why? And he goes, because they'll, you'll be running right into the trouble if you go the other way. I said, okay. So, um, <laughs> we're there. We don't know what's going to happen. People are upset. The mob is there. Wouldn't have taken much to set them off. The point is, is that sometimes people gather for good reasons and sometimes people gather for bad reasons. Here, what's interesting is this whole thing supposedly having to do with a religious matter is not at all. It's simply the religious matter is the cloak for what they're really after, and that's money. Let's look more. He says in verse 26, Moreover, you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but throughout almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. Duh. Now, sometimes you can find out a lot how successful you are when you listen to the enemy. You say, what? Yeah, it's true. 
In fact, here you find from Demetrius's own mouth that Paul was extremely successful in planning churches. And as we read, as we started here in verse 21, when these things were accomplished, Paul was meticulous in what he did. And in so much that the whole pagan practice of worship of Diana is now beginning to fall apart. This guy's concerned about that. Now notice, it says, moreover, you see in here that not only here in Ephesus, so this was widespread, and by the way, this is where this was going on. Now, remember, it was Paul's intent to move on and go to Jerusalem and then on to Rome. He was moved by the Spirit, whatever that might mean. We don't exactly know. I mean, we know what being moved by the Spirit is, but which Spirit was, his or God's. And what's important here is that he has every intention to leave, but before he gets to leave, this whole thing, this ordeal breaks out. So it says, not only this trade of ours is in danger of falling into disrepute. So let's look at this again here. He says, <laughs> gods that are made with our, with our hands are not really gods. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people, when they're blind, are sorely blind. If you would stop and listen, if you could stop and listen to what this guy said, if he could listen to himself, that the gods that we make with our hands are not gods, all of a sudden you would say, you know, they probably aren't. But we make our money by this. And so therefore, this is what motivates us to do what we do. Notice he says, so not only our money, first, we find that. Second of all, it says, this trade. So it's not only our workmanship, our money, our trade as well. So these guys were merchandising, you might say, this temple ordeal that was going there in Ephesus. This trait of ours is the danger of falling into disrepute. But also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all of Asia and the world worship. Well, whom they used to worship anyway. You see, Paul was effective. And whenever you're effective in what you do for the kingdom of God, there is going to be an attack of the enemy. Get it, get it, get it. Because if you're successful in what God's called you to do, you're going to be attacked. That's just the way it works. Now, friends, I'd like to say it's not that way. You just better know it. And uh, I wish there was another way around that. Not this side of heaven, friends. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And maybe it might not come all the time. There'll be respites of time, of peace in between sometimes. But remember, the battle's never done until we cross over into our heavenly home. Now, I know we all get tired at times. I know we all get frustrated. And we all just say, well, God, I just... ah." I believe the trials are what help cause us to reevaluate our priorities. You see, evidently, Demetrius, in his life, without God, just... His priorities were his livelihood, his money. We know that his, his trade, and the very last thing, if you notice this, the very last thing that he mentions is, oh yeah, and by the way, uh, uh, Diana would be, would fall in, um, well, she wouldn't be worshipped anymore. <laughs> 
Wow. Well, so he's got his mob there, local silver makers, 101. And when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And so the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater in one accord, having seized Gaius and Archistarchus, Macedonians, Paul's traveling companions. Now, Gaius, if you remember who he was in our study, he was Paul's host fam, uh, family. He was Paul's host when he was in Corinth. And Archistarchus was, might, you might say, his host when he was in Rome and when he was in jail. Archistarchus was a real blessing to him. And so when they couldn't grab Paul, they grabbed them instead. Now remember, that's going to happen to us. When they can't grab Jesus, they're going to grab you. When they can't make fun of Jesus, they're going to make fun of you. That's just kind of the way it works, and so we have an issue here. And so it says, great is the Diana of the Ephesians. The whole city was filled with confusion. That's usually the way, that's a great description of a mob, isn't it? There's a big gang there. Nobody knows what exactly everybody's upset over, but we're all here. Well, it says here, And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. This was probably a wise thing that his friends advised him on. You have an insane mob right now. Demetrius has whipped up the mob. Remember, he didn't go. Demetrius didn't go to the courts. He didn't go to a magistrate. What he did is he went to the mob and riled them up. Why did he do that? Because he really didn't have a case, did he? He even stated he didn't have a case. Saying that these gods we make with our hands are not gods. Yeah, that's a pretty weak case, I would say. So when you don't and you can't get it legally, you fake it. And that's exactly what he did. So he riled everybody up and they began to chant this. Paul was going to go out and try to calm him down. But his friend said, no, don't go out. If you remember back in studying about King David, King David wanted to go out as well, and his friends kept him back and say, you're worth more to us than a couple of people. You stay here with us. Sometimes it's great to have, well, it's always great to have, but it's people that will stand in the gap for you. And so Gaius did that, and Archistarchus did that for Paul. And so it says, and the other Macedonians that were with them, Then some officials, some of the officials of Asia who were his friends sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some cried another for the assembly was confused and most of them didn't even know why they'd come together. (laughs) That describes a riot, doesn't it? Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.